everybody, welcome to episode number 59 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, the brand that you've trusted and known for over a year. My name is Josh Cannon. I am here with Mike Brown. I'm about to ask him how he is doing. Here goes. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Let's actually just uh, not really do that much small talk and just get right what? into the podcast. Huh? That's very unlike us. Well, before we go any further, Mike, uh, we were reminded by one of our Patreon listeners, uh, where's the toe update? There was no toe update last week, and we want to know about your toe. (laughs) Really? Um, Might might as well. Okay, since uh, somebody actually reminded uh, us of the toe, okay, here I go. It's fine. Uh, it's not infected anymore, so that's a good sign. And I'm just waiting to see the podiatrist later this month, and then we'll see where to go from there. I think I'm still going to have to have some kind of surgery in order to correct it. But, you know, we shall see. I went to the dentist yesterday for the first time in over a year. and Oh, and they were like, oh, you're not doing a very good job. No, the dentist assistant gave me a lot of compliments Wow, um, yeah. nice. And I, I actually have a picture of my x-ray of my mouth, if anyone wants to see that, <laughs> for whatever reason. Uh, no. I'm so, dude, I'm so... <laughs> oh my god, the stupid fucking ad with their noise that randomly comes up. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> that means nothing to any of you guys. It only came through my headphones. It's like one of these articles I have up that we're going to read later on. It's got, like, what, pre-roll bullshit, where it's got, like, an ad that just automatically comes up. It just, like, came up in my headphones. Hate that Snuggles, shit. Snuggles, air softener. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, Not air softener. Whatever. <laughs> what the fuck um, is air softener? <laughs> that's, I don't know. That sounds like a thing that would exist. <laughs> air softener. Wow, another article's trying to do this bullshit, too. <laughs> fuck the oh fuck God. off. I don't want to buy your shit. Who doesn't know about Arm & Hammer at this point? <laughs> Why do they still need to keep pouring millions of dollars into annoying-ass internet advertising? We know of your shit. You don't need to advertise it anymore. For God's <laughs> sakes. There's, st- I mean, you know, like Coca-Cola and shit, like... Don't advertise. We know. We're aware. We are it, all it's, aware. Yeah, I'm definitely aware of Arm & Hammer. Uh, it's fabric softener, not air softener. I must be fucking high. I don't know what you it is. must have been inhaling some air soft cans. <laughs> air anyway, soft cans? So inhaling cans full of air soft bullets? Uh, like, what shit. would that do? Yeah, no. What I meant to say was... Um, the compressed air that you use to clean computer keyboards. Ah. Okay. If you inhale that, uh, it gives you like this temporary like high. Um, that was some shit that was popular. It it's called Duster. That mm-hmm. shit was popular when uh, we were teenagers. I never did it because so I'm like, like people wow. people do whippets? Yeah, exactly. So it was like, wow, a can of man-made chemicals that is meant to blow dust out of a keyboard. Let me stick this in my mouth and suck it down. Ew. Hmm. I'm not very smart, but I'm smart enough to know that that's a dumbass idea. Yeah, that's... Well, pa- 
Apparently my cousin and my friends weren't because they all did it and it makes your voice it does something weird to your vocal cords and it makes your voice really low like this. It's creepy. Dude, it's So it weird. makes your voice really low like your uh, witness trying to hide themselves on an episode Dude, of yes. Unsolved Mysteries. For real. Yeah, those keyboard air dusters. If you, I'm not advocating this shit by any means, but you know, this isn't like a public access show so I can say this shit without being sued hopefully. But yeah, if you inhale it, it makes your voice get really deep. It's like has the opposite effect of helium inhaling a helium balloon. Hmm. I wonder what would happen if somebody inhaled a helium balloon and then took a big hit off the air duster. What your voice <laughs> would it cancel out? It would, the it would, yeah, it probably would. It would probably start out super high pitched and then go super low. Oh wow, this sounds really weird. Yeah, it would be crazy. But anyway, the dentist assistant said that I had really long roots to my teeth. So, ladies, if you're listening to this, just know that I have long roots in my teeth. (laughs) Sexy roots. My teeth ain't going anywhere. So, if you want a man who has a mouthful of teeth, come get at me. (laughs) That's one of the worst pickup lines I've ever heard in my life. Can you? There's been that? worse. Yeah, really? Pro- I don't know. Maybe there hasn't been. <laughs> and uh, dude, my teeth are so like my my fillings that I got when I was a kid are so old school mm-hmm. and '90s. Like I have legit like silver fillings in uh-huh. my in my mouth. Like nobody, uh, they they stopped doing that years ago. Like the whole silver fillings. They they have these tooth colored fillings now that they usually do. But no, I got I got some silver ones in my. Uh, my bottom uh, back teeth or whatever. Not many, just one on each side. I, I had really bad oral hygiene as a kid. Now it's much better, but uh, yeah, I was, I was a dumbass. But uh, anyway, let's get on to some mysteries here. Um, Mike picked a great mystery that uh, we... It's, this is yet another one that we referenced a lot on the podcast and we're just now talking yeah, about. Yeah, we didn't really and reference name, the name, though, of the person yeah. who's wanted, the criminal who's wanted. This is a similar to the Rafael uh, Camarena case. And this one is of a guy named Pedro. It's uh, Pedro Uribe. Pedro Uribe. Uh... I don't know what you're smoking, Josh, because that's not how you pronounce that at all. It's Pedro Uribe. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> Uribe. Okay. Um, I guess my 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 white Americanism is showing right now. <laughs> oh yes, his name is Pedro Uribe. God damn, I am. <laughs> Despite my ethnic looks, I am so very white on the inside. Because he's very uh, white, okay, so, white baby. So, yes. uh, Pedro... Pe- Pedro Yaribe. Yaribe. Okay, my bad. He's the leader of an extensive drug and money laundering ring. And he had eluded the FBI at the time for more than 20 years. It starts out in a quiet, wealthy neighborhood of Cliffside Park, New Jersey. Uh, I, I'm not used to wealthy in New Jersey being used in the same sentence. <laughs> oh, burn. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, it seemed to be an unli- unlikely place to find a criminal gang, but its isolation and security was exactly what the mastermind of a drug and money laundering ring was looking for. Pedro Uribe was a 38-year-old Colombian with direct ties to the infamous Medellin cartel. It's hey, a uh, hey, dipshit correcting me Medellin. on pronouncing things. It's it, it's Medellin, Medellin, not Medellin. Okay, 
Yeah. Well, we okay. both make yeah. the same. Tip hey. for tat. Tip for tat, precisely. So according to FBI Special Agent Kerry Penrith, he ran his criminal organization with a ruthless hand. Pedro Uribe ran this organization by fear. Informant information tells us, that, tells us that one of his couriers lost 75 kilos of cocaine. Upon hearing this, Uribe had this individual, as well as his family members, murdered. Damn! That's not a guy you want to get on his, on his wrong side. That guy's a You don't dick. want to get on his bad side. And you also don't want to lose his cocaine. Cocaine! It later turned out that the man was innocent. Oh my god. Well, that makes it even worse. <laughs> but that only added to Uribe's fearsome reputation. In May of 1986, the FBI set up an around-the-clock surveillance of several of Uribe's known properties. They soon learned that in order to appear normal, people pretending to be family members were trucked in on weekends. The surveillance showed that these fake families changed from week to week. That's so awesome. And like it, it is. I love that, dude. That is just... That is... That is the epitome. It's rather of, ingenious. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that is just the epitome of not only like hilarious, but just it is ingenious and it's just bizarre too. Like, yeah, it's so weird. But he didn't think it through because it's different families each week. You would think if you really wanted to make this appear as if there were other families here and they weren't just other drug dealers or other people you know. Then you wouldn't change it week to week, because <laughs> that would that would be pretty obvious to me. If I'm in a neighborhood, and the house next door, you I keep seeing different people there every week. <laughs> I'd be like, well, I thought uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith lived there. Now it's Mr. and Mrs. Juarez. What I don't. What is going on here? I don't even see any uh, moving trucks or anybody <laughs> move in. So, Agent Special, uh, Special Agent Penrith, Agent Special. <laughs> Agent, Spe- <laughs> Agent Special. Wow. That's, uh, it was that Make-A-Wish Foundation uh, <laughs> agent or something. This is Agent Special. He's got like three days to live. Just humor him. Give him a gun and let him shoot someone. <laughs> or, or it's just a, it's a special at a, at a restaurant for, specifically for agents. So, uh, Special Agent Penrith investigated the case, and he's quoted here. He says, One of the primary features that they looked for in these houses was an attached garage with an automatic garage door opener. And if it didn't have it, they'd install one. This was done so they could get in and out with different individuals and less chance of being seen by the neighbors. Using these houses as a base, Uribe developed a simple but effective money laundering scheme Low-level operatives named nicknamed Smurfs. I love that nickname. By the FBI were dispatched from the houses to banks throughout the New York metropolitan area. These Smurfs used small amounts of Uribe's drug money to buy legitimate money orders from many different banks. That would be a much better Smurfs live-action movie if you ask me. If the Smurfs were just smuggling drugs. <laughs> <laughs> just or just buying all this stuff and oh my god, just money laundering Smurfs. Gargamel did have a uh, really crazy like cocaine nose. I mean that that <laughs> the schnoz on on that thing was uh, gi- ginormous. So I could see that happening. So 
The Smurfs used small amounts of Uribe's drug money to buy legitimate money orders from many different banks. At the height of the operation, seven of Uribe's Smurfs were identified laundering $50,000 a day, or almost $2 million a week. Wow. And that's 1990s money, so it's a lot more than that now. That's just insane. The FBI knew that Uribe was laundering millions, but they had yet to prove that he dealt cocaine. Then on September 3rd, 1986, they got lucky. Outside of one of Uribe's safe houses, agents observed, observed da, 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 the delivery of some mysterious boxes. Gambling that they contained cocaine, the FBI tried to catch Uribe red-handed. In the summer of 1986, they made their move and swarmed the house. In their search, the FBI found 307 kilos of 95% pure cocaine wrapped in small plastic bags. The total amount had a street value of $7 million. Yeah, uh, and the, uh, it's just the whole like filming of, of this segment was, uh, I, I just loved every bit of it because yeah. the houses were like, you know, those for, for, new for the 90s, but now they kind of look, you know, a little outdated. But they were like those new suburban kind of uh, mansion-y kind of looking houses. Just those big houses with the attached garage. And, you know, they busted in and, you know, the furniture lo- looked all 90s. And they had, you know, those like plant, like you see in do- like dentist's office or doctor's office, those like artificial plants. And like yeah. the planter and all. E- even that looked 80s somehow. I don't know how a planter can look... 80s but it did and they like lift the fake tree out and there's all these stacks of uh bills underneath of all the money and all that and uh yeah it was very similar to the rafael camarena story in the sense that uh he, he was posing as a in such a authentic way posing as this you know thing that he wasn't and yeah secretly all this drug activity was going on. I mean, on. can you imagine that? Like, in your neighborhood, you would never believe, and you would never think that there could be some money laundering front going on in your neighborhood or at your neighbor's house, or there's all this cocaine being smuggled in. It, it's just, it's, it is rather shocking, the, the sheer amount of drugs and money that was uncovered in well, his house. that's the difference between legit like evildoers, evildoers, doers of evil, to quote George Bush. Got to get the evildoers. Um, like legit, like drug dealing professionals, you know, who do it uh, not only for a living, but, you know, like Scarface, Tony Montana kind of shit. Yeah. That's the difference between that and just your your normal street tough dumbass who has a trap house who they sell, you know, some weed and, you know, coke out of. And you they know, keep that, little baggies under the floorboards. Yeah, that that's the, the like, your, your everyday street dumbass is going to be the one that mouths off to the neighbors. Hey, what you staring at, bitch? I'll give you something to stare at. You know, and you know, beats up people and, like, stabs, you know, What, do you experience or, this in your neighborhood? Is that, is that, uh, that they, <laughs> Dude, I have known some sketchy ass people. You would not believe the people that I have known who started out so normal and just became so damn sketchy. I knew this girl who shall remain nameless, but she was going to college. She got her bachelor's degree. 
then she starts dating this dude and it, essentially he ran a drug house and she stayed high like all the time on all these different drugs and like people would come in and out all the time buying drugs and like you know this guy would get into like fights with people and guns would get drawn and and it's that kind of dumbass stuff that will draw the attention of law enforcement very quickly these professional drug dealers uh, like Uribe they know that they're not stupid they know that so that's why very keep a very low profile you know don't cause any fuss don't draw any attention to yourself you know don't go out and pimp your car out with all the fanciest adornments possible all that shit is just a signal to any kind of law enforcement agency that hey look at me you know i've got money and it's probably being gotten it'll be gotten lee wow that was a fucked up sentence <laughs> that shows you that we're not on a script um <laughs> but no i'm not saying that just because you drive a pimped out car you're doing drug you're selling drugs but i'm saying that people who do sell drugs who do you know drive you know these pimped out cars and stuff it all it does is it's just drawing attention to them so there's just this huge difference especially on this show on unsolved mysteries because they do profile a lot of these small time drug guys too but like the big time guys like this i just find it so fascinating yeah just all the intricate ways that you can snake through the system i would and, say and, Rafael Camarena, the one we did earlier, he was a little more impressive because of the oh, whole yeah, sure. tunnels. The tunnel. and yeah, Actually, tunnel. a lot more yeah. impressive because of the tunnels and the James Bond villain uh, contraption that he had to hide the tunnel. You know, you, you pull a lever and the pool table lifts up to reveal the tunnel, you know, the entrance to the tunnel, which is just something that you would only think would ever happen in the movies and it actually happened in real life. This one, I could see it. You know, he's got this house and he's just stashing all these drugs all over the place. And it seemed like he wasn't really like hiding some of this very well. Like, yeah, you put some money in, in a plant, uh, but the cash is covered in cocaine for some dumb reason. Cause apparently I guess you're, you have your cocaine, and then you have the cash. Maybe you're dipping the the cash in cocaine. I don't know. Well, what now, the fuck. so the deal with that, I can explain that. The deal with that is, um, all, all are they using it to snort? All U.S. currency has uh, small traces of cocaine in there. It's been proven. Well, well, it must have had a, a lot of it though, because there was enough traces of it to. Well, that's because so the there was that's because there was it. that's because there was literally thousands of bills under that planter. Yeah. Do you normally keep thousands of bills? On yeah. No. <laughs> no. Know? But even then, I'm like, keep that shit in a safe. Put that in an offshore account. You know, it's not really that smart to keep like eight hundred thousand dollars in cash in a potted plant. No. You know, it, it, no, I wouldn't it have really done that. isn't. I you know or or, or the or the we or the people coming in every week. That's not smart either. Well they clearly uh that was their their no their plan A. I don't think there was a plan B. They their main thing that they were banking on was that this facade that families live here and the enclosed garage that was their whole go to. Mm-hmm. Like they figured that that 
that alone was going to be enough to keep suspicion away from them. That's why there was all this cocaine in the kitchen cabinets, you know, like all you had to do was open the cabinet and there it was. They didn't expect people to come into that house, unlike Rafael Camarena, who it took it took police forever to find that that uh, mechanism. Well, he was also smuggling stuff in the back of his own truck right in front of their noses. Yeah. Yeah, it's like so, stuff like this and then like jailbreaks are always fascinating yeah. to me because it kind of tests like the criminal mind, like just how clever they can be with circumventing. How much of a mastermind can these criminals possibly be? And, you know, one of the jailbreaks, I think it was one of the Alcatraz, I don't know if it was an Alcatraz jailbreak. It was one of the jailbreaks that was featured on the Alcatraz episode where they had all these different jailbreaks and stuff. And it was the one we already talked about where the guy, maybe he found a way out of the prison by hiding out with the tour guy, you know, with the tour group. Yeah, or, and he just, like, walked out you know, with Hitching him. a ride. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty interesting. That's pretty fascinating. Now, despite the fact that he wasn't as clever as he could be, apparently he is a pretty smart cookie because uh, he's still at large. Damn. Because uh, Uribe and his henchmen, they were tipped off about the raids and they escaped. Today, he and his associates are wanted fugitives. Pedro Uribe could be commuting between Colombia and the United States. He is known to have relatives in New, in New Jersey. Two of Uribe's partners in crime are also Colombian nationals. They have been identified as brothers Luis and Ivan Arengo. Another Uribe henchman, Miguel Villegas, is believed to be in the Los Angeles area. And apparently he was last sighted in New Jersey in 1989 at a relative's christening. I love that. Christening. I love that. He's like, you know, hey, you know, you still got to go to the christening. I mean, uh, you know, I, I know I got the FBI on my back and I'm like this wanted drug dealer and I've murdered people supposedly, but... uh I mean, you know, what douchebag doesn't go to their uh, relative's christening? I mean, I got little Tony's christening. I got to be there for that. You know, it's uh, the Catholic rule. You know, you can't miss out on that. And I, Yeah, it is crazy when you see criminals who have done these ruthless, violent acts and broken all these laws draw a line in the sand. Right, like, with yeah, family. Not- yeah, it is crazy. Because it's like, if you could be that ruthless to another human being, you would think that family wouldn't really, you know, if they rubbed you the wrong way, you could snuff them out too. But oh no, when it comes to family, it, you know, they're, they they have their boundaries where, oh no, can't do that, that's my cousin. Or I, I can understand the family part, but, the, the you know, it, it's, it's, still, it's still something that, makes you pause because you're just like wow you know you're just imagining some big time drug lord just taking the time to go to his grand some relatives christening <laughs> and i mean clearly this guy is uh, in in um colombia i mean there's no there's yeah. no doubt in my mind he fled he speaks span he's you know he's he's spanish is his first language this this dude's in colombia no doubt and i mean that it, from my understanding, is such a corrupt, drug-riddled country. Sorry if any listeners from Colombia are listening. Um, that you can easily pay off police there. You can easily pay off the people you need to pay off. 
you know, to fight extradition charges and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, hell, even Mexico, I've heard that you can pay the cops off there, you know, to a certain degree. So, I mean, uh, and that's a lot closer to the United States. Well, that's why you have uh, stuff like uh, the movie uh, Sicario. Yeah, of course you would reference a movie that no one else has seen. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have seen that film. Look, Mike, it's, I haven't seen a... it, therefore nobody else has seen it. That's how my <laughs> worldview works. If you want to see what kind of the drug war is like today, check that movie out. Sicario? Yeah. Hmm. Is that with a C or an S? Starts out with an S. Okay. I'm glad we got that. Glad we got that down. <laughs> um... You have anything else on this one? Nah, not really. It's a great, uh, it's a great story. I, I wish this guy got caught. I, I hate it when drug dealers like this just get on the run and get away with selling this poison to people. Yeah, I mean, that ruins people's lives and makes other people's lives even worse. I mean, I think it's one thing, like if somebody wants to like buy drugs and do drugs, like that's that's their that's their prerogative. Yeah. But but when he starts like killing people and being violent with people, like that's what I have a big problem with. Well, I still have a problem with the the selling drugs thing, especially to you know, there's people who clearly have a problem but doesn't care because it's all about oh, let's give them these drugs. And then there are some people who try the drugs. They buy some drugs from somebody like Uribe, and they're a perfectly normal kid or normal guy or gal and you know what's normal really but i mean they're they're, they don't have any addictions and then they try some cocaine and then it completely ruins their lives or crack or any of this stuff it's like that girl you were talking about yeah that's true hung out with the wrong guy drugs did ruin her life drugs and then yeah i mean that that's the thing i mean yes not everybody who takes drugs is going to automatically going to screw themselves over and their lives are going to be in shambles but a large percentage of people when they take drugs when they buy drugs when they use drugs that's what happens that's why we have stuff like just say no i feel like a i don't know i'm very libertarian on the on the whole drug thing uh i very much feel like depends on what drug it is i mean something like heroin that's just extremely addictive uh cocaine uh, crack cocaine, you know, crack, crack is whack. I, I feel. If I, you really want to uh, see something surreal, watch the Pee Wee Herman crack ad from back in the eighties, where he's talking about how crack is is bad for oh my you. God. It's whack. Yeah, I feel. He, it's just, it's just, it starts out with this kind of creepy cinematography, and then the it's all in in the darkness, and you see some shadowy figure in a chair. And then the lights turn on, and it's Pee Wee Herman, and he and it's all super serious, and he's all like, "This is crack." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know why I haven't seen that yet. Oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit! Now, if you really want to keep kids off crack, you should show a picture. <laughs> Kiwi Herman, aka Paul Rubin's mugshot after he got caught spanking yeah. his monkey in that yeah. adult theater. Yeah, that was truly disturbing, right there. Oh, I feel like uh, I don't know. I, like part of me, because it wasn't it Portugal that that ma- that decriminalized all drugs, and mm-hmm. um, it, so it it totally like there. Once you do that, there's no more incentive for like 
drug gangs and drug lords and all these people who yeah i mean see that that is the the other side of the coin and i i do see that um because if people are going to do it anyway that's the thing i don't have a problem with that i don't have a problem with decriminalizing drugs because you could tax it and you can make sure it's clean you know it's you know you're giving people a clean product there's a lot of people who have to settle for drugs that aren't clean so they have these drugs that you know that have are laced with this other shit and it's not good for uh, good for them and it's not good for them period but it's like even worse cuz it's laced with this other shit that could re- that really fucks them up even more and also you don't have to deal with the drug lords and all of that and so on and and who intimidate families and who intimidate people who murder people i mean I, I I do feel that we waste as a, a as a government and the DEA and the, all and the police waste millions of dollars, billions of dollars on this drug war, and you bust one drug lord, and another one pops up like almost immediately. Right, it's like hey, it, it's that like guy's, a hydra. That guy's off the street now. There's there's room for us to reign dominion over this this unserviced you know market that's craving these yeah. drugs, you know. Um, I, I have more opinions about it, but I don't want to get any more fucking re- reviews on iTunes, so I'm just going to keep those opinions to myself. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, if you want to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. There's a bunch of bonus stuff on there. You get the podcast early, etc. cetera. Uh, if you want to like us on Facebook, we're facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. We also have a Facebook group. Uh, that's a lot more interactive and more worth joining than our fan page. And uh, just search uh, Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries on Facebook, and uh, our group should pop up. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people who like our podcasts on there, and there's a lot of people who just like mysteries, apparently, because uh, there's a whole question that you have to answer before you join our group, and it says, I specifically made the question, are you joining this group because you listen to the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast? And some of the answers I get are just, they range from like losing faith in humanity to just outright hilarity. Like one guy answered, uh, I said, you know, the question, are you joining this page because you listen to Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries? He goes, no, dot, dot, dot. I just love mysteries. Yeah, I remember that one. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> I well, love that one. Fair enough. This man has a affinity for mysteries. He has an unquenchable craving and thirst for mysteries. All right, you you get to be in. You know, he's like, fuck your podcast. I I, I need some I need some hot mysteries. So uh, <laughs> yeah, consider joining that group. Uh, the next case we're going to talk about is one that I picked uh, two seconds before we started the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Because we were going to cover Gus Hoffman because I saw that that was a listener request. And Mike's like, uh, haven't we already covered this one? And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of felt like we had as well. And I had like already watched the episode and everything. And I went on our SoundCloud page, which is apparently going downhill according to rumors. I hope it's not. But uh, I checked our page. And I was like, oh, yeah, we, we did that. That's like episode 46 or 45. We already talked about that. Okay, well... Uh, this is one of my like last UFO cases from the Ultimate Collection that I wanted to talk about, so I'm busting it out like a so fine. So enjoy this last second UFO segment. Yeah, well, you know, I've discussion. seen all these. I've seen all these uh, <laughs> segments so many times that it's like you know, I I I, I yeah. know it pretty well. Um, 
So on March 13th, 1997 at 10 p.m., Michael, fucking Russian last name, shot a videotape of strange <laughs> lights hovering above the city of Phoenix, Arizona. Another videotape was shot around the same time, 15 miles away. The bizarre lights were seen by over a thousand people in Phoenix during that night, which was when the Hale-Bopp comet passed over the sky. I remember that being talked about when I was a kid. Soon afterwards, the military came forward with an explanation for the strange lights. Captain Drew Sullins claimed that the fighter jets were doing a night training exercise in the vicinity of the sightings, and the jets dropped flares, which were the lights. However, the problem with the explanation was that the military claimed they dropped the flares between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m., while the most impressive sightings of the lights occurred between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. So, many believe that the lights were actually UFOs. At 8.10 p.m., nearly an hour before the military dropped flares, Ross Nickel and his family were driving along a highway, Highway 89, 90 miles north of Phoenix when his son saw strange lights from above. But Ross first thought they were stars or an airplane or the band Jefferson Airplane. However, when they got outside of their car, the lights began moving but made no sound, which as we've learned in UFO lore, that is kind of a trope, that is kind of a thing. UFOs tend to make no sound. That is a hallmark of UFO sightings. Uh, And they were about 1,000 feet in the air, these lights. Then at 8.30 p.m., a half hour before the military began dropping flares, a commercial airline pilot and his wife were driving 90 miles south of the Nichols when he saw strange lights in the sky. And even though he was a pilot, he had no idea what the lights were. You know, pilots, they kind of got boners for lights. They know all about lights. They, they, they love lights in the sky. They know about lights. So for this... Boners? Pop- whatever. Um, that's how I describe things in my very, very, very limited vocabulary. So for him not to know what the lights were, that, that's that right there. You're you're lending some credibility to the story, as far as I'm concerned, because that know, is puzzling. I mean, I I would, I mean, I don't know. It was puzzling for him. It's not really puzzling for me because I well, it kind of is because it's one of those things where it's like it's hard for me to believe that it's something other than an unidentified flying object when you have a pilot who's been flying for 29 years and he's I have the quote here I've been flying for 29 years now 29 and I've, I, for some reason I can't say fucking numbers today I've been flying for 29 years now and I'm not used to looking up in the sky and not being able to figure out what I'm seeing I looked at it and then I tried to make it into an airliner and then I realized again it's going too slow and there's no noise at all. And then the next thing that struck me is that man, why would this why would his landing lights be pointed straight down? Yeah, and you know, my whole thing about UFOs and people like, you know, give me shit like, "Oh, you really believe in that stuff?" It's like, "Yes, I do." And it's like, "Have you ever seen one?" "No, I haven't." "Well, then why do you not believe in religion, but you believe in aliens? It's the same thing, you know? Okay, Inspector Gitchell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you need to identify your own unhappiness and take responsibility for your actions. Um, Dr. Phil Gitchell. Yeah, Dr. Phil Gitchell, exactly. <laughs> or Jeffrey Tambor, which was uh, Hank from uh, the Larry Sanders show. If you yeah. understand that reference, uh, 
message me and I'll send you some free stickers because I'm, I'm pretty sure nobody knows that show. Uh, it was a show on HBO, Gary Shandling, very funny show. But uh, no, I say to those people, I may not have seen a UFO, but all these damn statements from these credible people are just too compelling to say that it's all bullshit. That's my main go-to for why I believe in UFOs. You got military, you got uh, professors, you know, airline pilots, people who are ordinary citizens who have absolutely nothing to gain coming forward, describing the same things, you know, in so many of these situations, especially the Roswell, New Mexico, the, the advent of the UFO mm. fever. That, that, that's me. Yeah. It's one of the most compelling. It's the first and one of the most compelling. Um, well, I mean, I don't know if this one is necessarily an example of an extraterrestrial I, on a UFO on a unidentified flying object. But I think it could be military. I mean, there's a there's some plausibility, in my opinion, in the theory that the military could have more advanced technology than we actually know about. And they're doing these tests and things like that. And people might witness them and then think, oh, that's a UFO, but it's really some kind of military uh, craft of some kind. I, I, I think they might have done that with the stealth bomber when they were first testing that out to test out the stealth capabilities and things like that. And from hearing from people who have actually been in the military, and I, I probably mentioned this before, but I don't know if I mentioned this particular part here, this one always stuck with me. I, I was working at JCPenney seasonally in Oklahoma City, and there was a guy who was working there with me, and he he was in the military. And he was talking about how, you know, because he was off, but he was talking about how they were testing out some kind of technology that he never heard of before, seen before, something to do with sound waves. And, it, you know, sound waves used as a weapon. And I've heard test the testimonials from uh, these people in Panama in this uh, great documentary called The Panama Deception, which talks about the Panama War, which is one of the most forgotten wars in uh, really you know, in, in history and especially American history. It's a very forgotten conflict that the U.S. got into, in the, I believe, in the late 80s, early 90s. And these the, even back then, the people who were interviewed... These are regular old people, and multiple people came forward and said these soldiers were firing weapons that were like lasers that like just lit people on fire. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in the battlefield, so I can't really say for sure what actually goes on, what actually happened, what happened in Panama... You know, whether or not there's these sound wave guns that the military might have. But, I mean, you know, look at the def the budget is just enormous. I mean, and all, all this money is spent on on defense and on the military. And you bet your bottom dollar it's going into some tech that the average Joe doesn't know a thing about. And probably might not want to know, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, anybody who thinks that, like... You know, it's like, granted, our, our media, like, they don't shut the fuck up. 
a lot of times when they should when they should keep things to themselves and keep it you know private like i mean jesus just turn on the radio like listening today and sean hannity's talking all about like north korea and what exactly we're planning on doing and the thing with north korea is i'm you know i'm just gonna say this they're all bark and no bite i really feel that even if they do get this capability i don't think he's gonna do anything because he he knows that china's gonna wipe him off the map because china's not gonna put up with this shit and because china has too much to lose and also this has been his kind of mo and the whole country's mo is i think it's a country is this kind of thing where it'll all be oh we'll make all these threats but not really carry them out so he can appear to be strong so he can compare he can appear to be this dictator who should be feared by his by the people in North Korea and take it seriously yeah, I my thing is though is like as much as our media talks about all that stuff, there's still a lot of shit that that the media doesn't cover and, oh, is, yeah, and isn't allowed to not. cover and or they don't know. Or, or they don't know. And you know, there the government for as bad as it is about stuff being leaked, there's a lot of stuff that is absolutely done that we Air don't tight. Yeah, that we don't know about. That we aren't made aware of until sometimes 20, 30, 40 years after the fact. And it becomes... Well, look at Project Blue Book. That didn't really... Nobody knew about that until years after the fact. And then it becomes declassified, and it's like, oh, wow, that's crazy. So let's get back that to... The s- military actually did spend all this time and money investigating UFOs after Roswell. Yeah, and that's, that's again, that's why... That's another thing that gives my my beliefs more credence, I feel. So anyway, getting back to the story here. Given the locations of the sightings, the lights appeared to be heading south. At 8.30 p.m., Ozma Linderman and her boyfriend were just settling down for the evening when they had their own encounter. Quote, It was very clear in my mind that it was one solid craft. The lights were traveling too perfectly spaced apart, and there was a void clearly between the lights that blacked out the stars when it came down. The whole thing just slowed, I don't know, maybe to a stop or it hovered for a second, and then what looked like one solid red oval object, it just turned red and shot straight up and disappeared. Gone. Completely gone. At 8.45 p.m., 15 minutes before the military began dropping flares, trucker Gary Morris spotted the lights while driving. Quote, To me, it didn't look like floodlights. They didn't really look like spotlights. There was something different about them that I had never seen before. End quote. Between 8 and 9 p.m., the Phoenix lights had traveled over 300 miles and had been seen by hundreds of witnesses. An hour passed. Then at 10 p.m., Michael, Russian last name, shot the video that would provide the basis for the military's official explanation. And they actually show the video that this guy took in, quote, saying, uh, if you lived in Phoenix, these flares, some of them were dropped at 14,000 and 15,000 feet. They burn very bright. They burn for five to six minutes. They are suspended by a parachute, and it's a large flare. You would be able to see those flares, I would imagine, for 150, maybe even 200 miles, end quote. That's the military's official explanation. And what I have well, to say, what I have to, yeah. say to that is... <laughs> Bullshit. I agree. Uh, this reminds me of another UFO case we discussed. 
And there were similar theories by the military. Oh, it was just flares. It was so, the Rhode Island mm, one, right? Or something like New that? York. Upstate New uh, York. Yeah. The commercial pilot is convinced that the lights he saw were not flares, quoting the pilot. I've seen them from the ground. I've seen them from the air. And these weren't flares. And probably the major reason that these were almost certainly not flares dropped by the military was they're dangerous. So they would never, ever be dropped over a population center. End quote. That is a really solid point. Um, will the mystery of the Phoenix Lights ever be solved? For the military, the case is closed. But for hundreds of eyewitnesses, the question remains. Did the Phoenix Lights come from somewhere beyond the stars? Oh, such a great way to end, Rob. Rob yes. Stack. Um, I like this yeah, they, uh, post by this anonymous guy on the website. He's commenting here on this particular case. He's like, just so you all know, the first person to report these lights was a sheriff deputy in Powdlin, Arizona, a small town north of Prescott, Arizona. Flares do not travel that far. Second, these lights were seen all the way down to Sierra Vista, Arizona. More people saw them in Phoenix, but it wasn't the only place that they were seen. You might want to find others from Arizona who saw them. The flare report is false. Flares will land not too far from where they were dropped. They do not travel many hundreds of miles. I thought that too. I'm like, why would a flare do that? Yeah, and why? And with. they don't do these kind of tests over highly populated areas. They, you know, the military doesn't do that, and that's always their go-to bullshit explanation for why people like the Withville, Kentucky uh, UFO sightings. You know, the the military. You know, it, yeah. th- they're saying like uh, someone was suggesting, oh, it's it's military planes refueling, and um, the guy you know, who Danny. Uh, the the radio DJ who was covering that Withville, Kentucky thing had actually talked to a military official who said if someone's refueling, you know, in, at, at that low of an altitude in that area, someone butts in a sling for for mm-hmm. doing that. So it was just kind of like the whole military yeah. go to military thing is, uh, you know, it, it, it's but bullshit. The military didn't have any problems flying helicopters in in public areas. Like in the Texas UFO case and the, I believe the, oh man, is it with the bell, the bell-shaped UFO? Well, I don't think they had helicopters there. And they just flew around, uh, they they just had uh, military trucks that showed up real quick. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. the Texas UFO had U- helicopters that just talking about um not showed up is it the the uh kex not kexburg uh, yeah would i don't think kexburg had you had uh kentucky, had UFOs. was it the kentucky ufo <laughs> my yeah I think whatever so. <laughs> it, it, you, get, you know it didn't have ufos no it did it just didn't have helicopters but then you have this skeptic here named buzz on uh, who's uh i i like i'd like to read his comment here because i think i find it kind of ridiculous uh buzz really so uh I guess uh, you're taking a break from the McAllister household and your uh, younger brother, Kevin, to comment here on the Unsolved Mysteries website. And that was, so, that was, that was a stretch for a reference. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't think so. <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to agree or disagree. What do you think of what do you think of Buzz? A Buzz bee? Li- Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear? Okay. So, about three or four of the ultralights, or whatever they were, flew over Fane Ranch in Prescott Valley as I was heading up that night to take a friend for, to dinner. I told him, that's weird. I've never seen an aircraft take that route before. 
Must be a sheriff's helicopters looking for a girl from the girls' school on Mingus Mountain. The next day, I saw the news and realized that that is what I saw. I was looking south over Fane Ranch and toward Highway 69. 69, dude! Because there's a stop <laughs> sign in front of Fane Ranch land where you can only go right or left on Superstition Road. Oh, it's a pretty foreboding road there. What's up with the... God, just the names of these places, man. Like, it's just crazy. It was not a massive craft. It was a, it was several ultralight or other small aircraft with soft white or other little navigation lights. They were spread out in a line with a slight triangle formation. Guess the joke was over and they started flying casually. I figured they had brighter flares or lights during the prank. I kid you not. It wasn't a large craft. The media just ran with it and UFO folks... See what their mind tells them they think they see. I wish it was UFO. I would have been in awe. Well, you're only one of the witnesses. And from according to this other guy, I don't know how legitimate he is, there was UFO sightings by some sheriff over in Paulden, Arizona, So, which is far away. Well, and they also have the guy on the segment, and they show the tape that he, he filmed of... Uh, Surprisingly, this guy, um, Russian last name guy, he he took a videotape of the military. Kristen, Krasnapa, Kristen. He 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 had videotape of the supposed military exercise from nine through ten o'clock p.m. He had video of that, and he goes, you know. He's like explaining, like you know, you can. I think it was like saying, like you can hear the the sound of the planes as they drop the flares, and you can clearly see that it's a flare. And he's a, you know, blah blah. And he's like, and you can hear him even comment on the tape. And then he has yet another video that was that. Oh my god! With the the ad just played again. I'm gonna punch a hole through my computer screen. Do you want a retake? Um. <laughs> I don't... Uh, no, I really don't want to do all the editing. <laughs> this editing is getting so old. Um, then he's got a, this other tape of the lights, the mysterious unidentified lights in question, and, and he's on the tape going, there's no sound, and, you know, like, they're just sitting there in the sky. And, and you they actually show you both tapes, and you can clearly see a difference between the two uh, going on. And, and the tape is actually funny because he goes, Honey... I'm going to tell you something. I don't know what the hell it is. Because <laughs> I guess he's talking to his wife. Yeah. I just I thought that, thought that was kind of a funny phrase. I'm going to tell you something like he's about to give you some new information. I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> Pretty sure you could have just said, I don't know what the hell it is. I don't know if you had to preface it with the I'm going to tell you something part. Making you think he's going to drop some bombshell of knowledge on it. I'm going to tell you something, Mike. I have no idea. Wow, you just gave me blue balls. I told you... Nothing. I didn't tell you something. <laughs> but yeah, that's um I sh- I should I should call up uh, Don Devereaux and uh and see uh, see what he cuz he lives in uh Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. I should call him up and see what his take was on the uh cuz I think he lived in Arizona around that time too. Well, maybe I won't call Don Devereaux. But what I did think would be a fun thing for us to do this time around would be to call the uh Unsolved Mysteries Telecenter. And uh, just see what happens when we call the number now. Uh, the number that we're going off of, for our, our understanding, that Unsolved Mysteries Telecenter number was 1-800-876-5353. So uh, that's the number I'm going to dial right now, and we'll see what happens. 
Hopefully uh, this picks up on the mic. It should. Service on this number has been suspended. You call is now being disconnected. I'm sorry. There's been a temporary problem processing your request. But I got I got answers to mysteries though. Wow, that's creepy. It sounds like someone's breathing into yeah. the phone. Oh my god, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> Bro. Is that a I'm is that doing... a tiger? <laughs> dude, I'm not doing anything. This is what's coming up. Hello? <laughs> What the fuck was that? That's and now I just hung up. That sounded like Satan. <laughs> I want to call that shit again. That was weird. One eight hundred. Eight seven six. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> Did we call the middle of the earth somehow? Service on this number has been suspended. Your call is now being disconnected. I'm sorry. There's been a temporary problem processing your request. Did a guy and a girl need to tell me that? <laughs> Now you hear Satan again. <laughs> oh my god, I'm hanging up. That's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, okay, so if you guys want to like try that yourself at home, little interactive thing, call uh, 1-800-876-5353. That's the uh, Unsolved Mysteries Telecenter, and hear the voice of Satan at the end, <laughs> apparently, as he, as he looks into your soul. All right, our final segment of the podcast, what we're going to do today is called News of the Bizarre. I don't think that was bizarre enough. News of the Bizarre. (laughs) There you go. How else can I say it? Now we're going to talk about the news of the bizarre. No, that's probably offensive (laughs) to somebody out there. Yeah, that's not bizarre. That's just offensive. (laughs) You know, I don't, yeah, there's no such thing as like, you know, portraying uh-huh. somebody, you know, it's now it's just all mocking them and it's racist <laughs> and, you know, you can't do an accent for fun anymore. It's offensive. Fuck that shit. So here we have anyway. Russia's indigo child, a reincarnated soul from Mars with fascinating knowledge that baffles scientists. According to reports, a young boy called Boris Fuck. Kip, oh, Kiprianovich. Kip, Kiprian, yeah, that's okay. That looked like a longer, more intimidating word than it turned out to be. A young boy called Boris Kiprianovich, who lives in Russia's Vol- Volgograd region. I, knew, I actually knew a girl from Volgograd. Uh, Volgograd used to be known as Stalingrad. Fun hmm. fact. Uh, reincarnated indigo child. His knowledge and skills have fascinated not only his parents, but researchers who have studied the young boy. First off, what is an indigo child? I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm sure the people listening out there who believe in Zodiac shit, I'm sure they can let us know what that means. That sounds like a album title for or a band name for. Yeah, some... that sounds like that sounds like Deep Purple's uh, like third album or something, <laughs> like Indigo Child or something. That'd be hilarious if actually. It's... <laughs> I'm gonna look this up. Indigo Child album. So while you look that up, ever since Boriska, his name, was four years old, he was used to visiting an an anomalous zone referred to as Medvedskaya Gradaya, fucking Russian shit, which uh, a small mountain in the vicinity of Zerozvinask. 
God, why do we get... I'm going to stop pulling up anything that has to do with Russian, Polish, Zero, any... Zironovsk? Okay, Zironovsk? So I'm just going to say Russian name in place of these things. <laughs> so this kid's apparently going to a small mountain in the, vicinity of, in the vicinity of Russian name where the boy lives with his parents. His parents stated that their child needed to visit the zone regularly in order to fulfill his needs for natural energy. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, while the story might sound fascinating and unbelievable to some, his parents, well-educated people, are in fact worried about the incredible talents their son possesses. They are afraid as to how society will accept Boriska when he becomes an adult. Boriska's mother, a local doctor... Notice how special Boriska was since he was a baby. Fifteen days after birth, the young child could hold his head without aid. Oh, that's kind of weird. Uh, usually babies can't do that for a while. He started speaking a few months after birth when he pronounced the word Baba, after which he started pronouncing more difficult words with ease. When Boriska was only one and a half years old, he began reading, and at the age of two, the young child could already draw and paint shortly well, after. Well, I mean, reading at that young of an age is not completely unheard of. Um, I was pretty young when I started reading and was able to read a box of couscous and to my grandmother when I was like three. So it's not super unheard of. It's earlier than... Well, well let's hold on tight because maybe some more creepy yeah. shit's coming. His talent and amazing skills were noticed soon after he started attending the kindergarten when tutors noticed his incredible writing and language skills and fascinating memory. However, his parents state that Bariska had attained further knowledge from a source they say is out of this world. Quote, no one ever taught him, end quote, Bariska's mother said. Sometimes he would sit in a lotus position and start telling us detailed facts about Mars, planetary systems, and other civilizations, which really puzzled us the woman said in an interview. As the boy grew older, his fascination with space became a permanent subject of discussion. On one occasion, the boy spoke about how he lived on Mars in the distant past. Boriska went on to say that the red planet is still inhabited today, even though the Martian atmosphere suffered catastrophic damage in the past. Boriska went on to say that the Martian civilization inhabits cities located far beneath the Martian surface. The story is even more fascinating, and many people find it hard to believe uh, the more they read. According to Boriska, in the distant past, he used to be a pilot and traveled to planet Earth frequently during the time the ancient Lumerian civilization inhabited Earth. According to his parents, the boy speaks of the Lumerian civilization and their existence as if it were yesterday. Boriska says the ancient Lumerian civilization vanished because they failed to develop their society spiritually, which eventually led to their downfall. Boriska's fascination with the lost civilizations in space and beyond fascinating uh, is beyond fascinating, according to his parents. His interest in diverse subjects increased when his mother gifted the young boy a book called Whom We Are Originated From by Ernest Russian last name. His parents... <clears throat> Sorry. His parents say... <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> his, his parents say that the young boy could spend hours looking at the drawings of the ancient Lumerians. According to his mother, uh, Boriska states that the Lum Lumerians inhabited Earth 70,000 years ago and were massive beings, which grew nine meters in length. 
which means nothing to us English or us uh, U.S. listeners, but might mean something to uh, Canadians Where and Australians. Where is the fucking source for this? Like, this is some website called Ancient Code, folks, I've never heard of. It's interesting, but I would probably have to say this is this has as much validity as an article in the National Enquirer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> his abilities... I mean, he's a kid. He's a kid, and he made up an uh, I mean, look, uh, an I mean, look, look at this awful Photoshop picture here. Just this kid smiling and callous. I said, hello. This is the language of my planet. Bariska, the Russian boy from Mars. Yeah, my internet's crapping out on me right now, so if like there's any more to this article, you're going to have to read okay. it. Okay, where, where, where is it? There is plenty, actually, I remember correctly. So, uh, I'll just start with the fascination thing. Bariska's fascination with lost civilizations in space in Beyond Fascinating is Beyond Fascinating, according to his parents. His interest in diverse subjects increased when his mother gifted the young boy a book called Whom We Are Originated From by Ernest Moldeshev. His parents say that the young boy could spend hours looking at the drawings of ancient Lumerians. According to his mother, Bariska states that the Lumerians inhabited Earth 70,000 years ago and were massive beings which grew 9 meters in length. This whole thing just sounds like somebody's bad sci-fi novel or sci-fi fiction just like oh just just put it in the story of this kid who this russian he's russian like how are we gonna check out how are we gonna fact check it he's from russia you're gonna go to russia and check it for yourself like there's actually zero zero sources i call bullshit on this entire article uh it's fun though the boy's mother was not sure what to think, whether the child's imagination was overdeveloped or if there was a small possibility that what he was telling was the actual truth. In one occasion, his mother asked, how can you remember all this? To what he responded, yes, I remember, and nobody has told me that. I saw it. Bariska went on to say that there are great discoveries still waiting to be made on our planet. The boy says a massive knowledge database will be found underneath the Great Pyramid of Giza. He added that more knowledge will be found under, under another pyramid yet to be discovered. I, I, you know, people probably have already, grave robbers and stuff have probably already dug underneath the Pyramid of Giza, you would think. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. We'll see if that ever that actually does happen. He adds that... I love how people who, I love how people who predict shit, like, it's always vague as fuck. They can never give you, like, exact details... Or coordinates. Like, they can't tell you where this lost pyramid is. They just make these vague, like, oh, it's going to be a lost pyramid somewhere. <laughs> can't tell you anything else, but, okay, you know, Cartman. they always hedge their bets. <laughs> yeah. Or they just hedge their bets by making the statement as vague as possible. So it's like, well, maybe, you know, like, so if it is, so, so if they do ever find anything, you can kind of twist yeah. it around and be like, well, he did say that, and it kind of did happen. Like with the Bible code, like, that, you can find anything that you want out of that because all it is 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 a self-fulfilling prophecy he added that more knowledge will be found under another pyramid yet to be discovered the human life will change when the sphinx is open it has an opening mechanism somewhere behind the ear i do not remember exactly sounds like shit in men in black or something no i have no fear of death for we live eternally 
There was a catastrophe on Mars where I lived. People like us still live there. Well, you know what? You're not on Mars anymore. So maybe you should get your ass to Mars. <laughs> get your ass to Mars. <laughs> and stay there with your kooky ass. There was still a nuclear war between them. Everything burnt down. Only some of them survived. They built shelters and created new weapons. All materials changed. Martians mostly breathe carbon dioxide. They flew to our parent planet now. They would have to spend all the time standing next to pipes and breathing in fumes. Bariska said, If you are from Mars, do you need carbon dioxide? If I am in this body, I breathe oxygen, but you know, it causes aging. Bullshit. Specialists interviewed Bariska on several occasions and asked him why man-made spacecraft tend to crash on Mars as they approach the red planet. The young boy responded, Martians transmit special signals to destroy stations containing harmful radiation. What, what is he even talking about? Like, we've had successful landers land on Mars without crashing. So, he sounds like he sounds like Dominic from uh, Kindergarten Cop. I'm gonna put the tinfoil on the on the uh, tower. It's gonna shoot lasers to keep the bad guys away. It's not a tumor. It's not. No. Ah, Dominic. Dominic. No. Briscoe. No. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one here. <laughs> I, I, I'm running out of time and you, patience. You don't want to hear any more um, about Bariska. I mean, I, I just, I just don't really have time. Get to the chopper. Unless we, unless we just want to cover Bariska <laughs> and like end it. I'll, 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 I'll cover the next one because come on, it's, it's, it's some ham. Who doesn't love some delicious ham? Except when it's Ken Ham, yes. then it's not so delicious. No, it looks disgusting. He looks like a shaved Sasquatch. He does. He very much does. He looks like if Sasquatch got his shit together, <laughs> stopped being some stoner hippie in the woods, and got a job, perhaps he would look like this man. So creationist Ken Ham says aliens will go to hell, so let's stop looking for them. I love that. Oh my god, I, that's amazing. <laughs> Just imagine him saying that like in a annoyed tone of voice. People are asking about these aliens. Aliens! <laughs> Uh, aliens will go to hell, so let's stop looking for them. <laughs> so creationist Ken Ham, who recently debated Bill Nye the Science Guy, uh, yeah, Bill Nye took a recent hit, a pretty big hit for me with his recent Bill Nye Saves the World show on Netflix. Um, I don't know if, anything if about you, it. If you if if you have seen the <laughs> the cringe-inducing episode where he talks about gender, you know what I'm talking about. God. Oh, I'm curious. I wish now. I could completely erase that from my memory, but I'll what, never forget that. What what is what is he talking about with He's with trying gen- to say shit like I'm trying to remember how this stupid crap. He's trying to say like gender is fluid and all of that and uh, he's it's just, not just he, sex. He's going and, he's going the, the mainstream PC route and he's you know, he's saying, yeah. you know, the shit that, that the millennials are gonna be like Not ev- not every episode of that show is bad, but this one is a train wreck. There's even a musical number. Uh yeah, where this uh <laughs> He talks about it. Gender is not... It's not fluid. It's its on a spectrum. And then there's this absolutely cringe-inducing music uh, where... Oh, God. I mean... Uh, <laughs> it, it's... It, I can't even believe this was on a Bill Nye show. 
Uh, Rachel Bloom sings a song called My Sex Junk. Wow, that does sound pretty god awful. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty fucking, I'm a pretty liberal guy for the most part. I mean, I'd say I'm my own person just in general with my beliefs and all. Like some, sometimes they're mm-hmm. conservative, some, mostly they're liberal. Um, but goddamn, Bill Nye has gotten liberal. Like I don't remember him. Obviously, on the TV show, it was a kid no, show. No, so I don't remember him being that liberal on the show. Yeah, he's just but, he's gotten so he's like so fucking like on the extreme far left to where it's almost like. Even if if the facts were presented to him that one of his views or one of his theories about something was wrong, I still mm-hmm. think he just wouldn't even like own up to it. I think he's just so dyed in the wool that he's just like, you know. Here, here, whatever. here are our. This song is called "My Sex Junk," and it has lyrics like, "My vagina has its own voice. Why should I have to choose between John or Joyce?" On a Bill Nye, <laughs> it's just speechless. I, I was. Speechless I mean, too. you know, like the, these are the lyrics for this. This one goes out to all my bipeds who identify as ladies. This world of ours is full of choice, but must I choose between only John or Joyce? Are my options only hard or moist? My vagina has its own voice, not vocal cords, a metaphorical voice. Sometimes I. She's saying that, of course. Then this is spoken. Sometimes I do a voice for my vagina. Please don't tell me I'm the only one that does that. Because my sex junk is so oh-oh, much more than either or or. Power bottom or a top off. Versatile love may have some butt stuff. It's evolution. Ain't nothing new. There's nothing taboo about se- a sex stew. Just add salt or Gerard Depardieu. French treasure. If they're alive, I'll date them. Channing or Jenna Tatum. I'm down for anything. Don't box in my box. Give someone new a handy. Then give yourself props. Oh, you think you're so smart. Did you learn gay in college? Chill with all of that while I drop some knowledge. Sexuality is a spectrum. Everyone is on it. Even you might like it if you sit up on it. Drag queen, drag king, just do what feels right. You're a tall pansexual flirty wood sprite who enjoys the fleshlight in the cold moonlight. With a sad clown skyping via satellite, damn Skippy home slice, sing it with me all night. Sex how you want, it's your goddamn right. Get off off your soapbox. Get off your soapbox. My sex junk, my sex junk's better than bagels with locks with lots of schmear. Okay, you can. If there's more, please don't read it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's really no way to talk about this without offending somebody. So it's kind of like, I I just had to share that. My dude, man. Okay, this is my whole thing. This is what it boils down to. Then we can fucking. I almost feel like we're um, we're probably gonna have to save this Ken Ham article for next week because I'm. Well, I'm I mean, it's just like just got like a few more paragraphs. It's not really that long. So, well, I'll just say because cause we did broach the topic, so now people are probably like, well, you know, what what's what are they what are they trying to say here? Like my personal, I'm not thing saying like, anything like that. When I'm just I'm just quoting this ridiculous song, and I, I'm I'm just showing how just crazy Bill Nye has kind of gotten with this new show. So when when you have when you have this debate with Ken Ham and Bill Nye, you know, Bill Nye is a science guy, but he's not really a real scientist. And I respect Bill Nye and I appreciate Bill Nye. But you know, the kind of stuff that he was saying there and I, I mean, even if it I don't necessarily agree with it, I'm not gonna explain why because I don't want to go there. 
But even if I did, the approach is all wrong with this just cringe-inducing song with some of the worst lyrics I've ever heard in my life. So, uh, Ken Ham, he's calling for an end to the search for extraterrestrial life because aliens probably don't exist. And if they do, they're going to hell anyway, so you shouldn't even bother trying to look for them. You see, the Bible makes it clear that Adam's sin affected the whole universe. Ham wrote this on his blog on Sunday. This means that any aliens would also be affected by Adam's sin, but because they are not Adam's descendants, they can't have salvation. The post is driven in part by NASA experts saying that they expect to find evidence of alien life within the next 20 years. It's highly improbable in the limitless vastness of the universe that we, ham- we humans... We Hammonds... We humans... <laughs> Stand alone, NASA Administrator Charles Bolden said last week. But Ham, President and CEO of Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum in Petersburg, Kentucky, said we probably are alone. He wrote, Earth was specially created, and the entire home for extraterrestrials was really driven by man's rebellion against God in a desperate attempt to supposedly prove evolution. If aliens do exist, however, Ham said that even Jesus can't save them. Jesus did not become the god Klingon or the god Martian. (laughs) Only descendants of Adam can be saved. God's son remains the God-man as our savior. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that we see the father through the son, and we see the son through his word. So to suggest that aliens could respond to the gospel is just totally wrong. I love that. Uh, I I love that this guy would would impose our earthly Bible and and beliefs uh, onto everybody else in the entire. That is so like to me. That is so Christianity for you. <laughs> like, well, uh, let me impose my shit all over I'll say your certain shit. Certain Christians. What, I'm not gonna lump all okay, Christians. Okay, certain Christians, whatever. But it's like, let me impose my shit. All over your life, whether you believe it or not, this is what's going to, you know, it's yeah. just like, God, give me a break, you know, like, Ken Ham, you are a ham, sir, you are you Never are a change. ham. You, never change, never change. <laughs> please change instantly, but you're probably not going to, so sure, never change. <laughs> and by the way... That stuff before. I am not saying I'm against transgender. I'm, I'm not, not saying either. I'm, against... I'm not. I, I'm. I'm just saying there. When it comes to gender, you can. There's different. It's just sex is a different thing. You know, your sex is determined by your chromosomes or by other things. Your gender can. Your gender identity is a different thing altogether. I don't think that gender is on a spectrum. I think that's ridiculous. But you know, if you feel that way, I have no problem with that. Uh, just, right. just, I, just, yeah, just, uh, just express that in a a less cringe-inducing way than was uh, displayed on the Bill Nye Saves the World show. There you go. That was that was a good. I was I was diplomatic, Mike. I agree. I concur. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this week. Um, I always forget something, I feel like, but I don't think I'm forgetting anything. We already plugged everything, so all, I guess all that's left is to say... Well, no, there's the YouTube channels. There's the YouTube channel. Yeah. If you want more content for free, because that's how everybody enjoys content nowadays, uh, they expect to not pay for anything. Except for the people who've bought my album, which I'm very appreciative of, and our Patreons, which I'm also appreciative of. So am I. Uh, Everybody else can can go fuck themselves. No, I'm just (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just joking. I love all you guys too, you cheap bastards. No, I'm just I am just kidding. God, don't don't hit pause or stop. Don't don't listen to another podcast. Although I hear the trail went cold has a fine podcast, Mr. Robin Warder. He has a fine podcast, so if you want to listen, that's a good one. Anyway, if you want to look at Mike and his YouTube content on his YouTube channel, it is youtube.com slash OCP communications. If you want to look at my videos, ooh, you perverts, it is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Uh, that is multiple ghosts, not just one ghost. Dancing with ghosts. I recently did a video called When Did the World Turn on Phil Collins. There was a time when Phil Collins was very popular in the 1980s, and then at some point, it seems like collectively we as a society started hating him. And I really went to explore, like, when did that happen? Why did that happen? Because I think he's one of the best musicians of all time, but that's just my opinion. I like Phil opinion. Collins. I've, so, I've, never, I've never hated the guy. I'm not like you, though, where I'm like, if you don't like Phil Collins, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> yes, there is a parody slash cover I love that, that I do that at the great. end of that video. I might job. put it I might put it at the, at the end of this video, actually, <laughs> just for shits and giggles. Uh, all right, guys, that's all the time we have. Until next week, my name, why, why would I tell you my name again? You already know it. I'm just, like, copying shit I've seen people do on other TV shows and podcasts. Bye. See ya. What's up, guys? The new Dancing with Ghosts album that I have been working on is out now. You can buy it on iTunes or Bandcamp.com or anywhere else online where music is sold. Uh, if you go on Bandcamp, you can get a CD, a compact disc. Isn't that old school and retro of me? Remember those? Uh, or you could just message me on Facebook and say, hey, I want a copy of your CD and I will mail it out to you. But uh, yeah, it's out now and it is it is finished and it's uh, some good stuff. So uh, if you want to go out and check that out, then uh, like I said, search iTunes anywhere else. Uh, music is sold online or go to Bandcamp.com and search Dancing with Ghosts. Thank you. Shit. Meteor right, that's, shit. That's good enough. What I do is I hold my headphones right up to my microphone so your voice is coming yeah. through your it's recording on your track of you saying shit and mm -hmm. it's going directly into my mic of you saying shit. So both tracks will have you saying shit. So when I get the audio <laughs> tracks, I just line whatever word you say, in this case shit, I just line it up and it's okay. good to go. So it, it, but to see the bitch about syncing, I've told you this a million times, is like you can sync it and it'll be perfectly synced for like a minute. And then since you didn't mechanically sync it up cunt hair to cunt hair, after about a minute or two, it starts going out of sync again. So you literally, it's dude, it's, uh, I mean, it sounds like a thousand times better quality wise. So it's like, I'm going to keep we, doing it. I mean, I definitely appreciate your hard work and I'm pretty, and I'm sure everyone else who listens to the show does as well. So 
It's not. Yeah, well, that doesn't pay the bills, does it, Mike? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm about to start my period soon. I'm getting overclimped. Yeah. Ross Nickel and his family were driving along a highway 90 miles north of Phoenix when he saw his... Highway 89. Not just highway. They were driving on a highway. Oh, okay. They were driving on a highway. What highway? I don't know. It was just highway. Well, if that does... (laughs) If if knowing the highway does anything for you guys as far as furthering the story along, fantastic. I'm just saying it it helps because it helps set a set. Mike, are you one of those internet guys that whenever someone makes a video, you get on the keyboard and you go, Actually? Actually? No. um, No, I'm just having fun. I know, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just knocking your balls around right now. Okay, well, let's move on from that comment. That was weird. Why did I say that? Um, anyway, that's kind of hard to move on from a comment like that, isn't it? So let's just acknowledge, let's acknowledge that that was a weird thing for me to say. I shouldn't have said it, and I regret saying it, and there's no way I can go back. It's kind of gay. A little, a little gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with <laughs> to that quote, at all. To quote it's the just... Seinfeld thing. Uh, but I am not gay. I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm not gay. No, I'm not gay. Um, I, wow, wow, this turned weird. Let me do, let me do an edit. <laughs> Cut that out. Knocking uh, like, my balls. What? Yeah, yeah. It's 3618. Holy shit. Just start at 18, that, at 8, 10 p.m. and then we can cut all that stuff out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's going to be a B-roll. Or maybe it will. That might be funny. I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. Don't lie. 